when you read the reviews, you realize what our true product is, because there are words like, my mum trusts you to come into her home. She's built a great relationship. The rapport is wonderful. Her confidence is back. And then from the family member, we hear words like quite often it's peace of mind and reassured. What, what our real product is, is trusted relationships. That's what we're building. Welcome to SheEO.World podcast, where you'll meet women and non-binary folks who are transforming the world to be more equitable and sustainable. My name is Hannah Senior. I am a SheEO activator and also host of the Plant Breeding Stories podcast. But today I'm wearing a different hat and I'm really privileged to be interviewing Dr. Trudy Fell of Belle V, one of the UK SheEO ventures for 2022. So maybe to kick this off, Trudy, would you like to just introduce yourself and give a little overview of what Belle V does? Yeah, of course. And uh, thank you very much for having me. And we are utterly delighted to be one of the SHEO ventures for this year. It's really exciting. Um, so Belle V, yeah, our, the reason we exist is to support older people to thrive. We know that um, the demographics in, in the UK and every developed country mean that we have a, a, a large and growing elderly population. And more people are, are requiring some support as they get older. But sadly, our care sector is in crisis, and that's common across all developed countries. Um, and, uh, and that's leaving people who are unable to get the support that they need to live the life that they, that they want to live. And so Bellevue was, was founded to address the root causes of the care crisis. And we have an innovative model that is, uh, that is tackling that, that issue and ultimately supporting our, our growing aging population to, to live the life that they, that they want to live. So you mentioned the innovative model, and I'd really like to explain I'd like to ask you to expand on that a little bit, because I think that's a really interesting piece. Could you could you describe it and, um, you know, how that makes things so different to the traditional model? Yeah, sure. So perhaps I should just say a bit about the current uh, model and then that, that shows the differences. So today, um, uh, home care, so people who visit you in your own home, which is where most of us would prefer to, to, to stay supported for as long as possible, um, then uh, that, that they use a model called time and task. And it's all about counting hours and ticking tasks off a list. And the feedback that we had when we were doing our research prior to launching Bellevue was that uh, people feel like items on that tick list. They don't feel like human beings. And then for the care workers working in the sector, um, they're driven away from what should be a re really fulfilling career because actually that's not what they want to be doing either. Um, so this time and task model, um, especially in an environment where money has been tight and so people have been driven to be micromanaged, has ended up in an environment where neither the, the people providing the care or receiving the care feel valued. It doesn't work for, for either party. And that is fundamentally is what Bellevue wanted to fix. So we've come in with a radically different operating model. And we were inspired by um, something that's revolutionized community nurse, nursing in the Netherlands. So um, that's the equivalent to our district nurses in the, in the UK. Um, um, back about um, in, in 2006, uh, a nurse called Josterblok um, 
recognised that nurses were, um, were were disengaged at work. There was a very high turnover and, and low employee satisfaction. Patient, patient satisfaction was also really low. Very similar challenges that, that we have in, in care and nursing today and many other countries will recognise. And he came up with, with a model, which is called Burtzog, which translates to neighborhood nursing. And it involves empowering and trusting the nurses, the, the people who are actually doing the work to make the right decisions. So he, in the Burtzog model, you have small teams of self-managing um, nurses or carers, they've moved into care later on, um, who make the day-to-day -day decisions on how to best support people in their community. They're hired from the local community and they support people locally. There's a lean back office, which does payroll and invoicing and things like that, but, but um, it's very decentralized. And there are coaches who support teams. So if there are challenges that they can't resolve between themselves as a group. And when, when I saw that model, I come from a background in technology and I'm really proud of transitioning um, and doing lots of digital transformations and moving uh, large departments to a much more uh, human, and uh, empowering model of agile software developments. I got it, so I was like, yes. <laughs> so I combined that with my background as a, as a care worker, which I did many years ago, I saw immediately how the two could come together. So Bellevue is the first to apply a Burtzog, a model of self-managing teams at scale to care in England. And we're, yeah, we, we've started two and a half years ago and we're really proud of where we've got to. Still a long way to go, but it's very exciting and we're making a difference and we want to make more of a difference. So where are you operating right now? Where, to give me a sense of the, the scale and the locations that you're working in. Yeah, so, so back in that summer of 2019, when we first went, went live, that was we had a pioneer team, which we worked with another group of people to, to get live, which was in Abingdon in Oxfordshire. And we've expanded out from those early days. And so we now have six teams across the county of Oxfordshire. Um, and then a little while ago, we got some funding up in the northeast of England, which was about creating great jobs up there. And we wanted to prove that we could work in two distinct geographies with different demographics and also different um, proportions of people getting their funding from different places. And so we launched in the northeast um, and we have two teams there, and we're, but we're growing super fast there, which is really exciting. And we, and we want to expand out from those two geographic regions. And we've identified some other areas which look like they could be really interesting and would be ripe for, for Bellevue to, to enter. So um, yeah, we're fundraising at the moment. And depending on how that fundraising goes, we'll be launching, in, uh, launching new, new teams at a, at a faster rate. So there's a couple of things there that I'd like to dig into if you're open to it. One, one question that I have is, um, you know, you said you wanted to try and test the model in a different location. So I'm wondering, have you found any, what are the learnings so far about the situations, you know, what works in different settings? And you also mentioned funding from different sources. Um, so perhaps this is a connected issue. How do the economics work out? Because, you know, clearly you are um, working with a more high touch model than traditionally is the case. Yeah, so, uh, so funding in, in care, basically comes from three different sources. So um, about, and the, the numbers vary depending on what research you look at, but about 40% of, of older people receiving home care pay for their care themselves because actually the threshold for how much money you have and uh, therefore don't qualify for local authority support is, is relatively low. And in real times, real terms is, 
as as uh, is not improving. Um, so there's a there's a uh, there's a large and growing proportion of people who fund their own care, and then there's local authorities who will fund uh, they they fund a, the still the majority of of care, and then the other source is the the NHS, and we work with all three, um, which is which is different, but it's very good for 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 us. So some of our competitors will pick one, be very good at one, but not the other. But actually, um, we don't want to. We're all about quality. This is about really supporting people to thrive at home, not just the basics that you need to survive. And so uh, that we want to take that quality care to everybody, no matter what their own financial um, situation is and therefore how it's funded. And we don't want to create a two, two tier system. When we started off, brand new, new startup, no reputation, <laughs> we needed to test and learn, we went for the B2C market. So we were self-funders and Oxfordshire was a great place to target self-funders and, and learn. Um, now we've, we've done that, we've got a good reputation. We wanted to see how we could speed up our growth and work B2B and sell, to, sell our, our, our um, care packages to local authorities and NHS. In Oxfordshire, it was harder because the local authority rates are, are, are not so generous. Um, however, we worked really well with the NHS in Oxfordshire. The NHS has more money than local authorities, and they've never quibbled on our rates, which are not above the market, but they are at the top of the market because this is all about quality. And so, um, uh, so yeah, we work with self-funders and, and the NHS in Oxfordshire. But we knew that we wanted to prove it with local authorities as well. So we launched up in the northeast with a view of supporting both um, self-funders and also the local authority. We, we've won a contract with Northumberland County Council. Um, and at the moment, they're giving us more work than we can possibly take on, which then comes on to the next big part of, of this conundrum. I talked about how care workers don't feel valued and that they're driven away from this sector. Recruitment and retention is at the core of the crisis in care. Our operating model is one that attracts and retains people in a way that, that, that traditionally we've struggled with in this sector. Um, and and that, that's our driver. So our, our, you know, our value proposition is, is really to our, our colleagues and making sure we create a great environment for them. So we're, and we're really proud of, of, of what we've, we've, we've done in that space. And we want to make that service available to, to, to anybody so that you can live your best life at home. So a question that springs to mind for me is how would you, how do you measure the impact? You know, you talked about how in providing these services, you're competing against other service providers. So how do you demonstrate that this is a different model and it has a different impact? Yeah, and actually we look at our, so our, our social impact is twofold. It's on the lives of the people that we support, but it's also on the lives of the care workers. So we're doing some interesting work later this year about how, how we measure those, those outcomes. But we started off with the basic things. So actually one of our KPIs is how many, how many new jobs can we create in, in the care sector? You know, good jobs. Um, we're accredited uh, real living wage employer. Um, so, you know, how many how many jobs in that category can we create um, and also looking at how many people we, we can we can support. Um, we we use uh, net promoter score as a, as, as a measure because we want to compare ourselves with with other companies as well. And we're um, so and we're delighted that we've got a our net promoter score is 94 percent from the people we support and families, which is um, is, is, is amazingly, amazingly high. Um, 
And we're also rated 9.4 out of 10 on a, an independent review site for home care providers. So we know that we get, um, we know that we're making a difference there. And what's really good and probably the more heartwarming stuff than the numbers is to read the, the, um, the reviews that we get. Um, and people will, in, will make an inquiry for us and say things like, actually, um, and it's often the grown up, the grown up children who are making an inquiry. Um, and they'll say, um, I'm, I'm worried about mum. She's, she's not eating properly and she's, she's losing her confidence of getting out and about and washing is, a, is an issue. It's a very transactional things. But actually, when you read the reviews, you realise what our true product is, because there are words like my mum trusts you to come into her home. She's built a great relationship. The rapport is wonderful. Her confidence is back. And then from the family member, we hear words like quite often it's peace of mind and reassured. What, what our real product is, is trusted relationships. That's what we're building. So we're looking at ways that we can measure the impact we're having on people's lives. And we're doing some work with Sheffield University later on this year on, on how we measure outcomes. So it's not just the number of people we support and the hours of care, because, you know, there's good quality and not. And try and work out how we change those reviews into something that we can measure and compare and, and learn, but keep it very human. And when you have got that environment where actually your product is to build trusted relationships and really make a difference to someone's lives, Actually, that then comes back in the other impact, which is on the people we employ, our colleagues, because what the, the most important thing for them, what is making is, is making that difference. So the sense of purpose, that's why people work for us. That's why people stay with us. And that's the real difference. So it comes back to that original problem that I said in that both parties neither feel valued. If we can get that back right at the heart of what we do then we succeed. And that's really what our operating model is about. Before talking to you, I Googled the Burtzog model because I was curious about it. And, um, and what I understood from, from researching that is that what they found in the Netherlands is that although the cost of the, the direct cost of the care is higher, the overall cost to the system is lower because of those relationships that build up. And I'm wondering if you see something similar in the in the communities that you're supporting yeah so um ey went in and did an audit of of Burtzog and calculated that um that they'd saved the dutch healthcare system 40 percent of their budgets which is just amazing so they've been rated the best employer across all sectors in holland for for four years out of the the last um however many years they've been going now um and they top the tables for patient satisfaction and they've got that 40 percent saving i mean it's win 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 we're focused on creating great jobs um, because when our carers feel valued and, and thrive, then that's when they can support um, support the, the, the when the people that we support can feel valued and thrived. Now, in terms of cost, we are in a slightly different place in care, and it depends it depends what you what you're looking at as your benchmark. Sadly, we've had a race to the bottom in social care over the uh, the last fifteen years, and the price has been driven down. Um, so our primary goal is not about price saving. Actually, what we're really looking at is effective care rather than driving efficiencies, because it's driving efficiencies that's where people have cut corners and cut, and, and or it just looks at the money and forgotten about the human beings at the centre of this model and service. Um, 
However, what we do want is we want a fair price for, for, for care. And there's a lot of talk about that at the moment, which is really important. Um, and what we definitely can do, and we have evidence of, is that when you, when, you, when you start supporting someone and your aim is to enable them to live well at home, to live their best life, and that means that their confidence is boosted and things like that, then actually you can end up doing yourself out of a job and, and being there and not being required as much. And that for us is success. And importantly, because our carers are paid for shifts and they get a regular monthly income, it's not about, they're not paid for just the contact time. Um, there's no disadvantage to, to them if they're able to support someone in fewer hours. That means they've got more time to spend with the person who's having a really tough time and would do that extra visit. So, and we let people manage their own, their own time. We report on it so we all know and people are charged the right amount, but um, it's up to the team to, de to decide. And we, we love it when we do ourselves out of a job. And that's, and Bert Sog are very good at, at doing that, which is why they've had the cost savings. And I think that's, you know, as you said, it's it's very emotional. It's a very uh, challenging circumstance when you need to find somebody to provide care for somebody that you love or you need to accept that care for yourself. And so, um, yeah, getting getting that that to square, I think, is is one of the things that's so inspiring about this model. So I want to change track a little bit for a moment. You mentioned that you had a background in IT and that you had previously worked in care so tell me about what was the inspiration that made you sort of join the dots and go yes this is something that I would like to start what was the what made you decide to start Bellevue yeah sure um so so yes I suppose that you know it's it started many years ago when I was um I was in full-time education and I needed a part-time job as you do and I, I got a job as a care worker and I, I loved the work. It felt really, it felt important. It was a job that mattered as, a, as opposed to the bar work and waitressing, which, uh, which many of my peers were, were, were doing. Um, but it was also um, quite a, a slap around the face wake up call for a young, naive Trudy to realise just how poorly valued care work was. Um, and I didn't know what to do about that at the time, but the sense of injustice stayed with me. So then fast track through, I had a career as a scientist at first. I have a PhD about pain in chickens, but that's a whole nother podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, and from that, I learned that I love data and I love technology, which led me into software development. And, uh, and then I moved into, into managing and building teams, uh, tech teams, and then doing and the, how people work in those teams was really important to me. And I got heavily involved in, in transforming um, teams from very traditional hierarchical command and control structures to small self-managing teams and agile software development. But then I got to a point in life where I thought, actually, I'm just making um, a rich business owner even richer. And at the time we were selling phones and I, I loved the job. But I learned loads while I was there. It was great for me to develop as a person, but I needed to do something that at the end of the day had more meaning. And um, so I was fortunate enough to be selected on to the, the excellent and I'd highly recommend uh, Zinc.bc program where they build social impact businesses. And I learned about being a social entrepreneur 
It was phenomenal. Nine month full time program. And that's where I met VLN, who is my co-founder. I was going to come on to that. (laughs) Yeah. And VLN and I were we we share a passion for for fair employment, um, for creating great jobs. That's what got us first talking. Um, And I kept dragging VLN back to the care work world and said, do you know what? It hasn't changed since I was working in care. Um, And actually, it's if anything, it's got it's got worse um, and no one has a solution. So the, the problem is huge. We have a growing aging population, so it's going to get worse. And then it was when we read about when we came across the Burtzog model of care of, of nursing and, and thought, actually, this makes sense. Um, we get this. That was our light bulb moment that made us think, yeah, we're going to apply a Burtzog inspired model to care in England and do it at scale and have a significant impact. So, so you had the idea. When was that? So this was 2018, 19. And now we are in 2022. So give me a thumbnail sketch of what, how, you know, like how is, yeah. how is, how things have evolved between then and now? So, well, we, we did a whole load of research. We're like, right, well, there's the idea, but you know, we've got to make it happen. And that's really hard work. So we did lots of research. We, um, we talked to um, hundreds of care workers, hundreds of people receiving care, family members. Um, we worked with the National Association of Care and Support Workers to do uh, a survey and had over 260 responses from that to add to our interviews. So we really understood what the problems were. And then um, uh, we joined forces with another organization who were doing some good things in this space. And we went live in June, 2019. Um, I still remember that first month we had 1000 pounds in revenue. It's amazing and we celebrated. And now we're you know, two and three quarter years later and uh, we have 70,000 pounds monthly recurring revenue. Um, which we're immensely proud of. So uh, yeah, there's uh, been lots of growth. We've we've raised um, equity funding in that time, so um, eight hundred fifty thousand in in equity. We've raised a million pounds in grant in that time, and we're investing that in building our technology because when you work in a completely different way to everyone else in your sector, do you know what the off the shelf packages they don't work? So we're building our own. And, um, and in the future, that will enable even more people to, to use this more, much more people positive way of working. So how, tell me a little bit about how you and VLN work together. Like, how do you divide up the responsibilities? And um, does, that, does that affect, you know, how do you work together? Tell me a bit about that dynamic. Yeah, yeah, we, um, it, it's very close. We get on really well still, <laughs> which is good. Um, so I take the CEO role. Um, and so I tend to do more external facing like this, this podcast. Um, I also do the fundraising, um, which has a pitching to investors and also lots of detailed grant applications. Um, and then I'm, I'm kind of interim CTO while we're at this stage. Eventually we'll, we'll hire a, a a CTO and I look after the the business um, uh, the business side of the tech strategy and um, VLN is the chief operating officer so she looks after marketing and recruitment and, re- and recruitment really drives our growth um, she's also great with numbers so she looks after our finances um, and uh, yeah between the two of us we support each other and make it happen very We've good. We've got a really fab team around us as well, I should say. <laughs> you see, that goes a long way, doesn't it? That yeah. that, that makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
So tell me about your plans for the future then. You know, we'll talk about Shio and how that might contribute to those plans for the future. But give me before we get into that, just give me a sense of, you know, where would you like to see Bellevue going over the over the next few years? Um, yeah, sure. So, well, the immediate future this year um, is to complete another fundraise. Um, so if there are any angel investors out there, or if you know anyone, then please uh, point them in our direction. Um, and, uh, and then to expand out organically from our two current centres. And then we've got some exciting ideas about some new areas that we want to launch in, which will, which will come soon. So if people want to find out about that and follow our process, uh, progress, please do sign up to our newsletter, which CEO can, can give you the link for. Um, and uh, um, so, yeah, so then in the next five years, we want to be growing into new areas. We also want to um, we want to carry on building our tech, this well-being operating system, well-being OS, which has all the digital tools that uh, self-managing teams of carers need to manage their own time. And in the future, we want to explore looking at having a Bellevue Academy where, um, uh, where other companies, um, either starting new or transforming, could come and learn about how to apply this more people positive model and, um, and then license our software so that they have the tools, the guidelines and frameworks and the training to, to then do more. And that's another way that we can get our um, reach our ambition of having a national reach and who knows maybe even further in the future brilliant so now this is a good way to segue because we've talked to we talked about fundraising and finding investors and you know presumably when you're thinking about finding investors you're not just looking for any old money you're looking for money that that brings brings more so tell me about how how did Shio fit into that and what made you decide to become a Shio venture um and then we'll and, and how you thought about your investors as a whole yeah of course um so it's it's really important for us that we find investors who are going to be partners with us over the next few years um, there's that old saying that it's you know it's easier to get a divorce than it is to to get to get rid of your your investor. Um, so it was it's very important for VLN and I that we find investors that believe in the social impact because we are for purpose for profit company and we're very proud of both of those. So the double bottom line is in, is uh, is important and we want someone who's going to challenge us on that on uh, at the board table. So the the equity, um, so for equity investment, those are the sorts of investors we've been looking for. But actually, social impact, there are fewer play, um, fewer opportunities. It's a it's a smaller but luckily growing area, impact investing. Um, and so we also have been looking around at all sorts of other places. And we were so excited when we saw Shio launch in the UK. We we were following Shio before it was open to ventures, and uh, the the world of investing it's very it's very male it's the same sort of people and some of them are lovely but it's all the same and um yes uh shio was just this breath of fresh air which we um we thought we want to be part of that so uh yeah that's what we applied um because it gives us some capital which we need but it also gives us that support and it's in an environment which feels so different and much more appropriate for a uh, a company founded by two women which is about reinventing the future of care work which is 85 percent female um, employees um 
and and even the out of the people who are bringing us up looking for 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 for, for support we have more females um in that role as well so it felt like exactly the right environment for for our business at this time so capital is one thing but what but the thing that CEO brings is also the sense of community and and the generosity um around that so has how has that showed up for you so far how has the shio community um been present or supported you um in in the journey so far oh well it, i mean it's still very new but what an introduction so i suppose i suppose the biggest thing is just our first impression that it's a huge welcome it feels like there's just been one massive hug um as, as we arrive and a, a very supportive environment you know the the messaging has always been you know come to us be honest what what do you need ask um uh, so it, it feels like a very a very safe space um the the first weekend which had some really excellent coaching sessions in um and i i i'm looking forward to to making the most of that as we as we go forward and you know we've got big things afoot this year and i know that for VLN and I, we need to step up as, as, as leaders, we need to develop the people around us and, and to, uh, that with, with Shio support, I just know that's going to be easier. Um, and, and connections, I've already been introduced to lots of people, I'm firing off emails and LinkedIn messages and arranging to speak to more activators. So yeah, very excited about um, building these relationships and, and seeing what, what happens as a result. Shio is, is about radical generosity. And that also includes asking when you need things. So do you have an ask for this Shio community? Um, uh, yeah, so I've got two actually being cheeky. Um, so one is, so we want to grow this, this year and the biggest thing affecting growth and the challenge in the UK at the moment is, is recruitment. Um, and there's lots that we know, but there's still more for us to learn. And we'd be really keen on getting advice from someone who has lots of experience in the in recruitment and specifically if their experience is in recruiting large numbers of the same role and how do we do that whilst retaining what's core to us our values-based recruitment how do we get our how do we market our message tell people that we're different in just a few lines on a facebook or indeed or, or other advert so that recruitment marketing at scale um, we'd love to speak to people with more senior expertise in recruitment than we have. That would be phenomenal. That's number one. And number two is um, fundraising. Um, we've got some great institutionals, uh, in, impact institutions looking to invest in us, um, but we're looking for some more angel investors to get us up to target. So, um, yeah, um, if, uh, if people can either want to invest themselves or point in the direction of others, that would be fantastic, too. Excellent. And how can people find you? What's the best way if 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 anybody in the community wants to offer up assistance or um, be an angel investor, how, how would they get hold of you? LinkedIn is a great place. So look up Trudy Bell V on LinkedIn. That's a really good, easy place to, to start. If you're a Shio activator, then the, you can connect via that platform as well. Um, so uh, yeah, but, uh, both those routes. I should be doing that straight after this. <laughs> oh, that's great, Hannah. Thank you. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to um, cover off or share with us today? 
Um, would just to re return the generosity and just say that we're, we're and and appreciate that that generosity by saying how grateful we are to to be here, be one of the the ventures, and uh, say that if there are ways in which we can help other other people out, then then please get in touch. Excellent. Well, it's such an inspiring business. So thank you very much for sharing more information about it with us today. Um, real pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thank you, Hannah. It's been a pleasure to chat. Thank you for listening to the CEO.world podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. We invite you to join a global community of radically generous women and non-binary folks at CEO.world.